Section Zero of the Romance of Modern Mechanism. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Romance of Modern Mechanism by Archibald Williams. Introduction. In the beginning, a man depended for his subsistence entirely upon his own efforts or upon those of his immediate relations and friends. Life was very simple in those days, luxury being unknown, and necessity the factor which guided man's actions at every turn. With infinite labor he ground a flint, till it assumed the shape of a rough arrowhead, to be attached to a reed and shot into the heart of some wild beast, as soon as he had approached close enough to be certain of his quarry. The meat, thus obtained, he seasoned with such roots and herbs as nature provided, a poor and scanty choice. Presently he discovered that certain grains supported life much better than roots, and he became an agriculturalist. But the grain must be ground, so he invented a simple mill, a small stone worked by hand over a large one, and when this method proved too tedious, he so shaped the stone's surfaces that they touched at all points, and added handles by which the upper stone could be revolved. With the discovery of bronze, and many centuries later of iron, his workshop equipment rapidly improved. He became an expert boat and house builder, and multiplied weapons of offense and defense. Gradually, separate crafts arose. One man no longer depended on his individual efforts, but was content to barter his own work for the products of another man's labor, because it became evident that specialization promoted excellence of manufacture. A second great step in advance was the employment of machinery, which, when once fashioned by hand, saved an enormous amount of time and trouble. The pump, the blowing bellows, the spinning wheel, the loom. But all had to be operated by human effort, sometimes replaced by animal power. With the advent of the steam engine, all industry bounded forward again. First harnessed by what, giant steam has become a commercial and political power. Everywhere, in mill and factory, locomotive, ship, it has increased the products which lend ease and comfort to modern life. It is the great ally of invention, and the ultimate agent for transporting men and material from one point on the earth's surface to another. Try as we may, we cannot escape from our environment of mechanism, unless we are content to revert to the loincloths and spare of the savage. Society has become so complicated that the utmost efforts of an individual are, after all, confined to every narrow groove. The days of the jack-of-all-trades are over. Success in life, even bare sustenance, depends on the concentration of one's faculties upon a very limited daily routine. Let the cobbler stick to his last is a maxim which carries an ever-increasing force. The better to realize how dependent we are on the mechanisms 
controlled by the thousand and one classes of workmen, let us consider the surroundings, possessions, and movements of the average well-to-do businessman. At seven o'clock he wakes, and instinctively feels beneath his pillow for his watch, a most marvellous assemblage of delicate parts, shaped by wonderful machinery. Before stepping into his bath, he must turn a tap, itself a triumph of mechanical skill. The razor he shaves with, the mirror which helps him in the operation, the very brush and soap, all are machine-made. With his clothes he adds to the burden of his indebtedness to mechanism. The power loom spans the linen for his shirts, the clothes for his outer garments. Shirts and collars are glossy from the treatment of the steam laundry, where machinery is rampant. His boots, kept shapely by machine-made lasts, should remind him that mechanical devices have played a large part in their manufacture. Very possibly the human hand has scarcely had a single duty to perform. He goes downstairs and presses an electric button. Mechanism again. While waiting for his breakfast, his eye rows carelessly over the knives, spoons, forks, table, tablecloth, wallpaper, engravings, carpet, cruet stand, all machine-made in a larger or less degree. The very coals blazing in the grate were worn by machinery. The marble of the mantelpiece was shaped and polished by machinery. Also the fire-irons, the chairs, the hissing kettle. Machinery stares at him from the loaf on its machine-made board. Machines prepared the land, sowed, harvested, threshed, ground, and probably otherwise prepared the grain for baking. Machines ground his salt, his coffee. Machinery aided the capture of the tempting soul, helped to cure the rasher of bacon, shaped the dishes, the plates, the coffee pot. Whirr! The motor-car is at the door throbbing with the impulses of its concealed machinery. Our friend, therefore, puts on his machine-made gloves and hat and sallies forth. That wonderful motor, the product of the most up-to-date scientific and mechanical appliances, bears him swiftly over roads paved with machine-crushed stone and flattened out by a steam-roller. A book might be reserved to the motor alone, but we must refrain, for a few minutes' travel has brought the horseless carriage to the railway station. Mr. Smith, being the holder of a season ticket, does not trouble the clerk who is stamping pasteboards with a most ingenious contrivance for automatically impressing dates and numbers on them. He strolls out on the platform and buys the morning paper, which, a few hours before, was being battered about by one of the most wonderful machines that ever was devised by the brain of man. Mr. Smith doesn't bother his head with thoughts of the printing press. Its products are all round him, in timetables and advertisements. Nor does he ponder upon the giant machinery which crushed steel ingots into the gleaming rails that stretch into the far distance nor upon the marvellous interlocking mechanism of the signal-box at the platform end, nor upon the electric wires thrumming overhead. No, he had seen all these things a thousand times before, 
and probably feels little of the romance which lies so thickly upon them. A whistle blows. The local is approaching, with its majestic locomotive, a very orgy of mechanism. Its automatic brakes, its thousand parts all shaped by mechanical devices. Steam saws, planes, lathes, drills, hammers, presses. In obedience to a little lever, the huge mass comes quickly to rest. The steam pump on the engine commences to gasp. A minute later another lever moves, and Mr. Smith is fairly on his way to business. Arrived at the metropolis, he presses electricity into his service, either on an electric tram or on a subterranean train. In the latter case he uses an electric lift, which lowers him into the bowels of the earth to pass him on the current-propelled cars driven by power generated in far-away stations. His office is stamped all over with the seal of mechanism. In the lobby are girls hammering on marvelous typewriters. On his desk rests a telephone, connected through wires, and most elaborately equipped exchanges with all parts of the country. To get at his private and valuable papers, Mr. Smith must have recourse to his bunch of keys, which, with their corresponding locks, represent ingenuity of a high degree. All day long he is in the grasp of mechanism. Not even a lunchtime can he escape it, for the food set before him at the restaurant has been cooked by the aid of special kitchen machinery. And when the evening draws on, Mr. Smith touches a switch to turn his darkness into light, wrung through many wonderful processes from the stored illumination of coal. Were we to trace the daily round of the clerk, artisan, scientist, engineer, or manufacturer, we should be brought into contact with a thousand other mechanical appliances. Space forbids such a tour of inspection, but in the following pages we may row here and there, through the workshops of the world, gleaning what seems to be of special interest to the general public, and weaving round it, with a machine-made pen, some of the romance, which is apt to be lost sight of, by the most marvellous of all creations, man. End of section zero.